Good morning, everybody. <laughs> it's good to see everyone. We're going to go ahead and get started this morning. <laughs> we want to welcome all of our visitors. First time coming here today. Welcome. We hope you feel at home today. And um, we are just super excited to get to worship this morning and bring our heart to Jesus and put our, all our attention on him. So. You're welcome to stand if you'd like. I find sometimes it, it helps to get awake and get ready to go, <laughs> but you don't have to stand. You're welcome to sit. Um, and we'll go ahead and let's pray before we get started this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence in this room, God. And um, I thank you for all that you have in your heart for us during this time. I thank you that when we're gathered, it's so special. And um, your presence is here in such a special way when we're together um, because of your Holy Spirit. And um, so, yeah, we just put all of our attention on you. Help us to lay down all the distractions, all the things we're thinking about. <laughs> and, um, yeah, Lord, we just we give you our attention. And we say, Jesus, have your way. You're such a good leader. And we just want you to host. We want you to do all that's in your heart. Uh, so I thank you that every heart is touched, and I pray that every heart would encounter you this morning, Lord, in a personal way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And I just wanted to say, we have Jaden here on the keys here. It's his first time. I don't mean to embarrass you, Jaden. I'm just so excited. He's been practicing with us for a while, and this is his first Sunday morning. Um, so really, really excited to have you, Jaden. And... Um, yeah, just grateful for the generations. We have youth here and adults here, and it's so special. So, yeah.
as we go into this next song, we're going to sing Lead Me to the Cross. And I'd kind of just put this on my heart of just wanting to remember the series that we just did. And if this is your first Sunday, we were basically going over how to stand our ground, and we were going over tools. And Jesus kind of reminded me of, hold on to that. Hold on to me. Um, Let me be your guardian. Let me take over and lead you, because I have a beautiful and wonderful plan for you. And he kind of just wanted me to remind someone I don't know who it is, but just to remind you that he's got you, he chose you, and if it was just for you, he would do it all over again, and that you are worth it, Um, your life is worth living, and your life is beautiful, even though it may be messy, that's okay. So as we go to go ahead and sing this song, I just want you to go ahead. I don't know what your relationship with Jesus is. Um, you may not know him, and that's okay. You can kind of just take in these words um, and just see what happens. But if you do know him, you know that the, what the cross means. And you know that maybe when we get lost, if we're wandering, he kind of just wants to lead us back to him. And I kind of just wanted that to be a moment during this song of like, if maybe you feel like you don't know where he is or you're struggling, take this time to just invite him back into your life because he just wants to be with you and he wants that relationship. So...
your heart again. To your As we get ready to take communion today, I want to encourage you to just kind of, if you can move from where you're at and and just take a moment, maybe find two or three other people, maybe another family, maybe it's just your family, but if you could just kind of move and circle up with them. And as, as we get ready to take communion today, I want to read to you from Matthew 26. It says, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and then when he had given thanks to them, said, drink it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So now with the people that you're with, I just want you to take a moment And instead of me just leading everyone in, in, at one moment in communion, I want you to, with the people around you, maybe just share one reason that you are thankful for this blood and this body that's represented by this cup. One thing that maybe Jesus has delivered you from, has redeemed you from. But take a moment to share that, and then just... Just take a moment to pray together, and then when, when you, as, as a small group, just say, hey, I'm, I'm ready to take this together with those around me, take the body and then take the juice uh, in remembrance this morning of Jesus. So feel free to do that over the next few moments.
All right, as you finish that out, stand back up. We're going we're gonna to go right back into worship this morning and just continue this attitude of remembering, of thankfulness, and of rejoicing together.
adore, we adore you. Jesus, we adore you. Jesus, we adore you. Jesus, we adore you. We adore you, Lord. Just one more time. Holy, holy, holy. can you just keep us singing that just for a moment let's just keep singing this morning as we were worshiping I was just reminded of at least for me on a Sunday when I get to come together with my family and it's just an overflow of the thankfulness and the joy of the relationship that I have with Jesus all week long and it's just a moment that I get to to share in that with family So Jesus, we thank you this morning. I thank you that for a moment on a Sunday morning that I get to come together with family and friends and just spend a moment in your presence, time in your presence to worship you. To allow my voice to sing of thankfulness, to allow my my voice to sing of joy and of hope and of restoration. And so this morning, we thank you for that opportunity, and we love you in this place, in your name. Amen. Well, welcome this morning. It's good to see you guys. Thank you, worship team. Yeah, thank you. Um, hey, we just want to continue in, in this time of, of worship through giving. So I just want to encourage you. We have a few different ways to do that, whether it's through the app, online, in the back. Um, but it's just, just a way that, even for myself, that I continue to worship 
through not just of giving of time and of, and of worship, but of giving of the very resources that, that our family has. So I want to encourage you to do that this morning and thank you for that continued giving. Hey, if you are new with us this morning, welcome. If this is your first week, your second week, third week, we have something that we like to do called Newcomer's Lunch. Uh, we do it the first Sunday of every month. So if you're newer here to Crossroads and you just want to maybe meet a couple people, have a, have a lunch, uh, learn more about what Crossroads is all about, uh, following the service today in our family room back there, Shannon, Pastor Shannon right over here, my wife, um, will be available uh, just to meet with you and, and, and kind of get you some food and, and then just hang out for a little bit and talk about all the great stuff that's happening at Crossroads and, and learn your story and, and find out uh, why you are here. And then, uh, hey, it's November, so Thanksgiving is coming up. It's getting colder. The snow will be here soon. Hey, I'm excited. I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready for some snow. Not just up there, but actually down here. Okay, I'm going to get booed off the stage. But we have a Thanksgiving potluck. It's going to be at our 2nd Street campus on 2nd Street. And that is from 4 to 8 p.m. on Thanksgiving. Uh, please register. It is a potluck, so if you just show up... I mean, there will be food, but maybe you should bring some food, too, just to share. But you can uh, jump on our app, jump on our website, register for that, uh, let them know what you're bringing, and we'd love to have, have you there that day if you don't already have plans with family or going out of town or any of that fun stuff. All right. At this time, all my kiddos can stand up. We've got some incredible teachers that are heading downstairs with you to spend some time over the next little bit. So you guys can head out, and then all the rest of us stand up, take a few moments to welcome someone to Crossroads.
Good morning. There I am. Hey, crossroads. Have a sit down. That's right. I'm giving orders. Have a sit down. I love how uh, friendly we are here, but it makes it hard to rally everybody to sit down. Good morning, good morning. Who enjoyed the extra hour of sleep? Yes. I felt like when I sat to drink my coffee that it was like so long. I just felt like it was lasting forever. Now if Congress could just get it together and pass the law and we could just not do this anymore. Who's with me? Okay. We may not agree on much in America, but we can agree on that. Well, if you don't know me, I'm Shannon, as my husband already said. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited because I get to introduce a new series today, um, and it's called Something Stinks, and we're talking about attitude, okay? See? I, yep, you guys know, and I personally feel like this is a really great follow-up to our series on spiritual warfare and standing our ground because sometimes the issue is just that you need a different attitude. It's not the devil. It's your attitude, right? So I think this is really practical. This series is going to give us some practical tools for um, changing our thoughts, changing our attitudes. And so I just get to introduce us to the whole idea of this today and the importance, the overall importance of attitude, which I know that none of that is like earth-shattering new to anybody. We've all heard that from the time we're little, right? We know we have this understanding that our attitude matters. We know that our attitude makes a difference. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit. And over the next few weeks, we're going to actually talk about some specific attitudes that kind of sneak in that we don't realize until they're there. Um, I consider myself pretty optimistic. Like, I am usually a cup half full kind of girl. Um, Even in all the ups and downs and suffering and abuse and and healing and, and things that make sense, I've... It's almost felt at times for me like my secret weapon was a hopeful attitude. Like I could still be hopeful, even in the midst of all that. But I will be very transparent with you. The last three years, all the ups and downs, and who's with me, right? All of us are in that together. The grief, the confusion, the chaos, the constant redirecting, and oh, not that, nope, not this, up there, down there, all around. I found, all of a sudden, I looked up one day and realized I had kind of let my hopeful attitude be put aside. And the lie, there was a lie, because it always starts with a lie. And the little sneaky lie that I was hearing was, you, you shouldn't approach things so hopefully, because it probably annoys people. Because, like, they're not having a good, like, their experience is not good. And so don't be coming with all your hope. And so I was like, oh, I need to. I need to simmer that down some. I need to be a little less hopeful, which, of course, when I say it out loud, sounds so stupid. But that's what I was hearing. And in, the, in all the chaos that we all were experiencing and all of us in our different journeys and our own personal stories. So for me, this is a very personal series and a very personal message because I have been this year, 2023, the Lord said, we're going back to joy. We're going to go back to hope. We're going to stir that back up. And I'm like, oh, right. Yes, that's who I am. And so he's been taking me on a journey back to that place of optimism. Because how many of you know it doesn't take much to form a bad habit? 
it's real easy to get a negative thought pattern going in our minds. There's actual scientific proof of that. Like, it is, we are prone to the negative. How encouraging. We're prone to the negative. Now, to be fair, some of that can be good because we are, we have to survive. So, like, we're prone to look for the danger all the time, right? We, we, we want to see a bear running after us as a negative thing, and so we will run away. So there are some good things about that, about recognizing that in the world, but that has played out in our thoughts and attitudes, and it's easy. It's easy. We don't have to try to have a bad attitude. We don't have to try to have negative thought patterns. So I love this series and what we're going to talk about, and I love that we called it Something Stinks because... Do you know, if you think about it, attitude does have a, a, it has a smell, right? If someone in the room, maybe it's you, okay, myself included, has a bad attitude, it's an odor. It has a bad smell. We want to like step away from it. But when someone comes into the room and they have a good attitude, they have that hopeful attitude, that positive attitude, it's like an aroma, and we can, we're drawn into it. Even We don't even realize, but we're, we're pulled in towards that. That's why this series is going to be about looking inward and examining our own thoughts and attitudes. Because at the end of the day, guess who's in control of that? You. Doesn't matter how many messages are preached from up here. Doesn't matter how many small groups you do. Doesn't matter how many Bible studies you do. It is your choice what you think about and what attitudes you take on. And ultimately, when we follow Jesus, he's the one, thank God, <laughs> that turns our aromas, our, our odors into aromas. Okay, I geeked out on this message. So I'm in, I wish I had like a, a doctor's alliance that, bleh, a lab coat so that I could like look professional because I did a lot of science research and got really excited. Did you know how amazing our brains are? Amazing. Okay, I mean your physical, literal, actual brain. It is amazing. Did you also know that your brain is more like plasticky Play-Doh than it is hard? Now, I know some of you are like, listen, I know some people with some hard heads, and that may be true, but the reality is it's that way because they made it that way. Our brain is more like Play-Doh than it is like a hard rock, okay? And that's new. Scientists used to think that you reach a certain age, They thought that our brains would reach a certain age, like right past those teenage years, and then it would just stop forming, and you'd just be like, this is your brain. But science, of course, we have tons more science available to us today in technology. So in the past few decades, they've discovered that that's actually not true at all. All the way up until death, you have the power to reshape and remold and change the literal physical look of your brain. That's like blows my mind, okay? That's crazy. So we've all heard, have you heard the power of positive thinking? It's not fake. It's real. The power of whether you're thinking positive or negative, it literally shapes your brain. Okay, I'm going to say a really big word. Are you ready? Neuroplasticity. I feel so smart just saying that word. So neuroplasticity, it's a field of research that's like new-ish, like a couple decades old. And this is what it means, basically. It's the brain's ability to restructure itself based on what it learns. So this has become a really popular field of research because it's very powerful. 
in helping the traumatized brain heal, which is what I'm passionate about, wellness and healing and, and all of that. So I love to study this because it's p- literal proof that even the most traumatized brain can be reformed. Isn't that powerful and beautiful? So a simple language explanation of neuroplasticity is basically this. I've already told you it's, pla- hear the word plasticity in there? So that's telling you it's a hint. Like, okay, the brain is moldable, shapeable, like shapeable plastic or Play-Doh. And it's full of pathways. And I want you to imagine like a rutted road, like a wagon wheel has gone over a road so many times that it's carved out a rut in the road. These are the pathways in your brain, okay? Your brain has the same thing, pathways. And those pathways are created by thought and action. Always starts with thought. You think it, and then you act on what you think. And the more you think and act on the same thing, that that rut, rut in that road just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Scientists say that this also is, this all of this happens on a cellular level, and they say that cell, cells that fire together wire together. So if you can imagine with me, we could all be scientists for a minute and see the brain and the bajillion cells in there, because that's how many, what however many that is, that's how many's in there. And they're, and and what you put in, because your brain is a computer. Your brain is neither pro or negative. Your brain is just taking it in and doing what you tell it to do. Come on. Your brain is just doing what you tell it to do. Your brain is not in control. You're in control. It's what you put in it. And so these cells are firing, and the ones that wire together form this pathway. Okay? Are you lost? Are you with me? Okay. Are you feeling smart? Okay, good. Didn't know you were coming to science class today. So exciting. Again, this is all possible because the brain is like plastic. Here's the thing. Science has literal picture proof that the pathways can be changed. Literal proof that you can say, this pathway is no longer going to be a pathway I go down. I'm no longer driving down that pathway. I'm going to create a new pathway. And there's proof in pictures of the brain where this has happened, especially a traumatized brain, which is such a beautiful thing to think about. So, have you ever heard the phrase, what you think about, you bring about? It's true. Science proves it. Now, with this cool science in mind, I want to shift to the scriptures because science is fantastic, but if it doesn't prove the reality and truth of God, it's pointless. And real science will always point you to the truth, okay? So, I've got proof, okay? All right, so we're going to go to Ephesians. Paul wrote Ephesians, and he wrote it to remind us he was reminding the Ephesians, he, he was a father to this church. And so he was writing this, he'd heard some things, and he's like writing like a father, like, okay, guys, I want to remind you of some truth. Like, don't do this, do this. We just finished our series, we used Ephesians 6, which is the armor of God chapter, one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. So this is a book where Paul, I'm sorry, a letter where Paul is giving us tools. He's reminding the Ephesians of what they could, should and should not do, how to live for God, maturity of faith, how to be unified as believers. So he's just kind of hitting different concerns. Well, I want to look at Ephesians 4, and we're going to be in verse 17, if you have your Bible or if you want to follow on the screen, either way. And I'm going to read the first few verses, and then we're going to pause. Verse 17, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far 
from the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Okay, so that's intense. Thanks, Paul, right? Okay, he's like, listen. But I want to point something out here. In this context, the word Gentile is referring to someone outside of the faith. Anyone that wasn't in faith would have been a Gentile because in the Jewish mind, Jew, there was the Jew and the Gentile, and Gentile was everyone that wasn't Jew, okay? So Paul's talking to a predominantly Jewish audience, and so he uses language they'll understand. So when he says Gentiles, he's saying those who do not follow the way, those who do not follow, okay? Notice what he said. Their minds are full of what? Darkness. And then he said something else. They have closed their minds, and then their hearts were hardened. Are you seeing something he's doing there? Is he telling us something about our minds? Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead... Here's the fresh breath, breath of fresh air. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Okay, so Paul's done something really cool in these few verses. He showed us, he's showing us two parallels. The mind that is far from Christ is full of darkness and it's closed, and therefore the heart is hard. First the mind, then the heart. First, the mind closes off the truth, and then the heart becomes hard. But the one following the way, the one following Christ, lets the Spirit renew the thoughts and attitudes. So the mind is open to the ways and the thoughts and the attitudes of Christ so that it can be renewed. He's making a connection for us here, for the reader that our mind is where it starts. The battle is in the mind. He also references this in Romans 12. This is a verse that I go to for myself a lot. Verse 2, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How? How, Paul? How do we do it? How do we transform these minds? What are we doing with it? Well, I want you to think of your mind, just like I said, there's pathways, and I want you to picture your brain, your mind, as a garden, because you are. The inhabitation of the Holy Spirit is the garden, okay? Just like in the beginning, we're getting back to the garden. So you are a garden. Now, what kind of garden you are is totally up to you. You can be a desert garden with not much life in it. You can be a garden that's full of lush, green, healthy life. You can be a garden that has some life and some things dying. The garden is up to you. I want to read something I found so fascinating. I don't know who this guy is, so if you go look him up later and find out that he was some creepy guy, it's not my fault. Okay, but he said this, and this is really good. He was a a philanthropist and an investor. His name was Sir John Templeton. And after his death, his daughter found 
this Christmas card that he sent, which I think is so fascinating that this was an, like how we all send out Christmas cards to family, you know? This is what he put on his Christmas card. Are you ready? Okay. If you exercise no control, it will become a weed patch and a source of shame and misery, as in your mind. If you exercise wise control, then it, your mind, will be filled with God's miracles and become a place of indescribable beauty. You're free to choose which. How can you do it? Simply, for example, develop a habit of looking at each thought as you would a plant. If you do, you get it. Oh, if it is worthy, it fits in the plan you desire for your mind. Cultivate it. If not, replace it. How do you get it out of your mind? simply by putting in its place two or three thoughts of love or worship. For no mind can dwell on more than two or three thoughts at one time. Did you know that? (laughs) Circumstances outside the garden of your mind do not shape you. You shape them. For example, if you expect treachery, allowing those thoughts to dwell in your mind, you will get it. If you fill your mind with thoughts of love, you will give love and you will get it. If you think little of God, he will be far from you. If you think often of God, the Holy Spirit will dwell more in you. The glory of the universe is open to every man. Some look and some see, and see, and some look and see not. Now, that's a Christmas card. (laughs) Your mind is a garden, and every thought a seed. And you, not your circumstance, determine what that seed is going to do. Is it going to be allowed to be planted, or are you going to look at that and go, bad seed, and not even let it get planted and pick up a different one? Paul said it plainly in Philippians 2.5, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. That's pretty plain, but that sounds hard sometimes, doesn't it? But he's, he's pointing us to this thing that science has proven and that we see lived out in the world, that what you think about... How you take in the world around you determines everything about who you are as a person. It takes time to nurture a garden, right? Fruit does not grow overnight. Plants don't birth overnight. So you can't, you have to get, this is a long haul decision. I'm going to stick this out. I'm going to make the decision to change my thoughts and my attitudes. And I know that I'm going to have some I'm going to fall and mess up. I'm going to have to try again because I'm creating a new pathway in my brain. I'm getting rid of an old one, and I'm getting a new one, and it doesn't happen overnight. Neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to restructure itself based on what it learns. See, this renewal of the mind that Paul's talking about, when we say, but how, 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 how do we do it, Paul? It's a partnership with the Holy Spirit. Because who did he say? Let who renew your mind? The Spirit. Who knows the pathways in your brain better than the Holy Spirit? You don't even know them as good as the Holy Spirit does. You don't even know what's in there as well as he does. So we allow by partnering with the Holy Spirit, by intimacy with Jesus, by coming into his presence and getting to know the Holy Spirit, he begins to highlight for us those rutted pathways that are not helpful. And he shows us a new one. He shows us a better one. No one had a better mindset, mindset than Jesus, right? We all agree on that. He, he is the pinnacle of a good mindset. 
Because of his death and his resurrection, we have access to the mind of Christ. Scripture says we have access to his mind. Think about that for just a sec. Have you thought about that? Have you stopped and thought about what that means? The mind of Christ, the creator of the universe. You have access to his thoughts. You have access to the way he sees the world. That kind of blew my mind. I don't, I've heard that my whole life, but when I was preparing this, I kind of sat with that for a minute because I was like, whoa, the mind of Christ is available to me? I can access that? So that stirs up that hopeful attitude that I told you that I tend to, used to, and now I'm getting back to, that place of, oh, because I'm not seeing it through my own filter. I'm seeing it through his, his mind, his eyes. And how many of you know he sees things a whole lot different than us? So here's the question for you to ponder. What would happen in your life if you believed and lived as if you had access to the mind of Christ? Think about that for a sec. Think about your day-to-day life. Think about the relationships you're in. Think about the decisions you make and the decisions you, the things you do and the things you don't do. If you believe that you've been given access to the very mind that created the universe, friends. The science we're reading, he created it. You have access to that mind. Now, does that mean we're going to know all the things? No. Do not go, do not be thinking that that's what I'm telling you, because I am not. (laughs) He is still God, and we are created in the creator's image. So we're not saying that we can be all-knowing, but we are saying that we can know more than we do. We are saying that we can learn new things and different things, things that he can show us that no one else can show us. How do you take on the mind of Christ? By putting your eyes on him. You can't know the mind of someone that you don't know. If you're married and you've been married for a while, you know how you get to a place where you can kind of like almost read each other's thoughts. Yeah. We have a joke in our house that I'm the RA whisperer because Alan, he has rheumatoid arthritis, as I've shared before, and I can see on his face when it's coming before he knows it's coming. And I've learned not to say it because it annoys him when I'm like, are you feeling bad? He's like, no, I'm fine. And then the next day he's like, oh. But it's because we're married and I know him so well that I can see it on his face. I can see the tired, and I need to do better about not just going, are you not feeling good? That's an annoying, naggy wife thing to do, so I'm not going to do that anymore. But, and if you're doing that to your husband, stop doing that. Okay. <laughs> Don't do that. Stop that. But it's because I, we know each other so well, and you, if you're, you know what I'm talking about, married people, but maybe, maybe you're not married, but you've got like a BFF that like you can just look at each other across the room and bust out laughing because you're both thinking the exact same thing, even though no one said anything. Why is that? Because you know each other. So now how could you think that you could have the mind of Christ if you don't spend any time getting to know him? It's a really practical thing, friends. You have to spend time with someone that you want to know. And so if you want to have the mind of Christ, you have to think about him. You have to talk to him. You have to sit with him. Your mindset comes from whatever you set your mind on. If you're taking notes, that's a good one to write down. Your mindset comes from whatever you set your mind on. How brilliant and amazing that this good God 
of ours is willing and freely gives us access to the mind of his son. It's part of our inheritance. Did you know you have an inheritance as a son and a daughter? By receiving the sacrifice of Jesus, you are then put in a new position in heaven. It's a position of authority. You are a king's kid. It's not a joke. It's for real. The same spirit, the same mind in Christ is now in you. And there's an enemy that wants, his biggest goal is to convince you that that's not true. That your authority, like to downplay what you actually have access to. But this good God that we follow has given us access. That's why scripture says, set your mind on things above. It's not saying just be like la-da-da, clouds and birds and rainbows. It's saying look to the heavens, look to the, look to the one above it all. He will give you the insight. He will give you the right thoughts. He will give you the right perspective. The tricky part is, like I said, we have a choice, (laughs) and we have these human hearts (laughs) that don't choose the right thing. It's not in our human nature to be positive, is it? It's not in our human nature to have good thoughts. Our flesh nature is corrupt. Paul said it, corrupt and deceitful. You can't do it without the help of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, because we're free to think as we please. Remember, science is proving it. All of this has physically, literally been proven over the years to be true. So this, this idea that Paul, who did not have the science, but he knew through the Spirit, this is something you do daily. This renewal happens every day. I, as you know, I, I run our wellness ministry, and so I meet with people one-on-one, and we talk through pain and trauma and healing. And I will tell people often, almost everyone, no, not almost everyone, The healing of the wound actually is the easier part. The healing of the wound can happen, it can sometimes happen in a minute. God can heal. Sometimes it's a process, it's just like boom, done, healed, done, moved on. The renewal of your mind after living with a pattern that that wound created, that's the rest of your life. And I don't say that to defeat people. I say that so that you'll recognize you got to cling to Jesus. Because every one of those wounds, y'all know I'm going to talk about wounds when I can. Every one of those wounds that you carry unresolved, it's telling you what to think. And that's creating a pathway. And so some of us are walking around with unresolved wounds. You've not healed those wounds. They're infected. And they're shaping, literally shaping your brain. And so you're seeing the world only through that place, only through that filter. Here's an example from my own life. I was abused as a girl, sexual abuse, and the Lord healed me, so I'm always comfortable talking about it because I'm not who I was, and he is redeemed and all of that, and he can do it for you too. So if that's one of the wounds you're carrying, you can be healed from that. But I, because of the way my story went, what was communicated to me was that my voice didn't matter because when I did reach, cry, use my voice for help, I wasn't helped. So the lie that settled in my heart was that my voice didn't matter. For years, that thought created a pathway in my brain, really worn out, like you could see it real well. And I lived according to that. Keep my head down, don't say what you're thinking, make sure everyone else around you is really happy because you don't matter as much as they matter. 
as I went on this process of healing, and I'm on year like, I don't know, 15 or something, I've lost count, I've allowed the Holy Spirit to highlight, like I said, the places that are unhealthy, the places in me where I have a rutted road pathway that's not healthy, and that was one of them. And the Holy Spirit had to show me because I didn't even know. We don't even know some of the stuff we're carrying, friends. And the Holy Spirit gently began to nudge me. You know, your voice matters. I gave you that voice. Your voice is the voice I want it to be. You're mine, and you speak for me. The first time Jesus said, you speak for me, I was blown away. But this king has chosen to let my voice He's chosen that I can be an ambassador for him and speak for him. So I, over time, have had to allow a new pathway to be created, which has meant that when I am tempted to act on that old thought pathway, which is like, don't say anything, I have to lean into the uncomfortable new thing, which is, no, this is a place where you need to say something. You need to use your voice here. We've all got that stuff. I don't know what yours is, but we've all got it. And you may not know. You may be sitting there going, well, I know I have trauma and I know I have old stuff, but I don't even know what I'm thinking. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Because the Holy Spirit knows. Here's the bottom line. You are 110 responsible for your own attitude. (laughs) Not just 100%, 110%. Do you know that this one thing is what set the Roman Empire on its head? Because this new little band of followers of this weird guy named Jesus, they weren't afraid to die. And what power did Rome have if he couldn't kill them, if they couldn't make them afraid to die? Because these little, this little band of people had discovered something. They had discovered that this isn't the end. And so they were looking at life through a new filter. And they turned an entire empire on its head just because of their shift in how they saw everything happening around them. Talk about the power of a mindset. Talk about the power to talk about an aroma, an attitude that's an aroma rather than an odor. Now, is everyone going to always understand when you come into a room with your aroma? No. Sometimes those who have an odor are going to get irritated by your aroma. Okay? That was actually what was happening in my little, the little lie of like, you need to tone it down. was like, oh, yeah, because they're not doing well and everyone around me is struggling, so I need to just keep that to myself. And the Holy Spirit's like, no. You're an aroma. If we're not bringing the aroma as the followers of Jesus, then who is? What would it look like if you left today and you thought about the fact that your brain is like a big pile of Mm Play-Doh and you can change how it looks? What would it look like for you? What is it that you can already feel maybe something stirring? Like, "Mm." Maybe, maybe for you, you, maybe you just don't trust anybody at all, for any reason. 
because of what you've experienced. And the experience is real. See, here's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. When he comes to change our minds, to shape our mindset, he doesn't disregard what we've been through. The Holy Spirit never once looked at my story and my pain and went, eh, it's fine, Shannon. No, no, no. The way that I came to see who Jesus really is is I discovered he was sitting with me in the middle of it. He was crying with me. So this isn't like you need to shape up or ship out. That's not what this is. That's not who we serve. That's not Jesus. He's a gentle, kind Savior. It's his loving kindness that draws us to repentance. And what is repentance? It's a change. It's just a, I'm going to not do that, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to invite Lauren to come up. Um, over the next few weeks, we're going to dive in, like I said, to some of those specific attitudes. And I, I am confident, because I've prayed for you as I prepared this message, that as you leave today, the Holy Spirit's going to stir up in you already. Hey, nudging, you know that thing you say all the time? You know that pessimistic thing you say all the time? Let's look at that. Let's talk about that. And I don't know what that is for you. But I'm trusting that when you leave today, it's going to begin to stir. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to highlight some of those sneaky ones that, that come in and try to create pathways and shape our brains and shape our hearts. But I want to encourage you with a few things as, you, as you're thinking about this and as you're, as you're moving forward into your week. I already said it. You can't know a mind if you don't know the person. And you can't know the mind of Christ if you don't spend time with Christ. How do you spend time with Christ? Well, we have this thing called the Bible. And everything that is true about God is in there. Everything that is true. And in fact, when God speaks to you, when you begin to learn his voice, you get, begin to recognize, that's a pretty cool moment. I will tell you, the moment you realize, I just heard the voice of God. In my mind, I heard the voice of God. And I'm gonna tell you that you can't. The enemy's gonna tell you that you can't, and so then you're gonna live in an attitude of defeat. That's a lie. Every single one of us is empowered to hear from the voice of God. He is speaking to you. Right now, he's speaking to you. But I wanna encourage you that he will always speak, and you can always find the truth of what he says in his word. So if you're not reading your Bible, this isn't about discipline of like, I just need to sit down, and I don't go on dates with my husband because it's just what I have to do. How weird would that be? Well, we're married. I mean, some people do that. And if that's you, it can be better than that. It doesn't have to be that way. No, I, I sit with the word of God because I'm convinced that I will find him there. I sit with the word of God because I'm convinced that he will speak to me if I open up that book and see who he is. When I began my journey of healing, uh, I had read the Bible, you know, as a discipline, like as a, oh, I just am a good Christian and I'm going to read my Bible growing up. But then when I'm really discovering that there's like this real God who really wants to know me, I, would, I immediately became hungry for the word. Don't ask me why I started in the book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> but I did. I did the whole book of Deuteronomy and I was so excited. But I think the Lord led me there because I was coming out of religious mindset and I was coming out of the bondage of religion. And so I think the Lord led me there because he's like, you've got this mindset about rules, 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 and Deuteronomy is the law. But he sent me there because he wanted me to see Jesus in the law. 
And so I was radically transformed by reading the book of Deuteronomy <laughs> and discovering like all of this is fulfilled in Jesus. Oh my gosh. It like, it like changed my life. So maybe you should read the book of Deuteronomy <laughs> to get your mindset changed. I don't know. Point is you will find him in his word. So I want to encourage you to take time to sit with him and be honest, brutally honest. Even if sitting with him feels uncomfortable, like I'm here and this is weird. But if there's something you want to say, I'm, I'm listening. Whatever that is for you, be honest and sit with him and say, I've got some stuff in here and I can see, I don't even know what all those pathways are, but I know they're not good. I know that they filter out into the way I see and think and talk and I want it to be different. I want to speak as you speak, Jesus. I want to think as you think, Jesus. And I have a verse. It's not on the screen if you want to write it down. Here's a simple one step you can take. Memorize this verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. See what happens if you just say that to yourself every single day for the next week. See what happens. And I want to end with worship because worship is actually one of the tools that God's given us for this. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you're not well? Mentally, you're just not well and you enter into worship and you feel it lift. You can feel the shift inside because you're declaring in worship what is true. Not what you think, not what the thoughts that have flooded your brain have told you, but what is true. And so worship can be the answer when we don't know what to do, we can just worship, okay? And so we're gonna, I'm gonna ask you to stand and we're gonna worship together with Lauren. She's just gonna lead us through a nice classic that we all know, a lot of us know. And I wanna encourage you as you're singing to be listening for that voice and to be preparing your heart and asking Jesus, what, what is the mindset that you wanna change for me? It's, Lord, I don't want to walk in a gloom and doom. I don't want to be hesitant to be hopeful. I want to walk with an attitude of hope because you live, because you have a solution to every problem. And I want to walk with your mind. So I want to encourage you as we sing together to think that way and ask the Lord what he's saying. And then when, when Lauren's done, I'll come back up and close this out.
about changing our mindset, it can feel overwhelming. Like you're thinking about all the things that you think about. You're thinking about the, the attitudes and you're kind of going, I, like, I just, it's so much and I don't even know where to begin. And that's actually the enemy's attempt to just defeat you from even trying. And I want to encourage you that your Savior is so hopeful. He's so hopeful when he looks at you. He's not like, here we go again with the negative thoughts. He's never thinking that way. And so if you feel that heaviness, like, I, I don't know, I've fought this way for 30 years. Nothing is impossible with God. He changes the hardest heart. He changes our mindset. Everything can be re- renewed in, the, in Jesus. And so leave with that knowing today that as you are thinking about the things you're thinking about, that you have a God full, full of love and kindness and eagerly waiting to partner with you to help you change your mind. Jesus, that you don't leave us without tools to walk this life out. Lord, you give us practical help. You say, I want you to walk in my mind, and so I'm going to actually give you my mind. And so, Lord, I ask that as we leave today, that this thought that I can have the mind of Christ, that it would just be so, um, it would be the loudest thought we're hearing, all of us, that it would be the clearest thought and that we would be willing to sit with that and ask what does that mean and that we would be okay with the process of learning the new pathway learning the new thoughts and letting you renew us so that we can walk as you walk Jesus thank you that you partner with us that you help us that you you don't abandon us in our negativity and our bad thought patterns you are always available to walk us through healing and restoration and so we say thank you Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great Sunday, guys.